0: Welcome to Forest Works, a half-hour weekly show about forestry in British Columbia through conversation with people in the know. We go past the rhetoric and get to the facts about this important industry. I'm your host, Stuart Muir. Tune in here at Radio NL, Saturdays at 7am as we focus on the people, places and stories of this important, often complicated industry that drives the whole BC economy. We've got a podcast too. Check it out at forestworks.ca. Brian Frankel, welcome to Forestworks Works here on Radio NL. Well, thanks for having me, Stuart. I'm, I appreciate the invite. Thanks, Brian. I'm I'm very happy that on the first day of broadcasting Forestworks, Works, the new show over the radio airwaves, we have a guest on the show who's as distinguished as you are, Brian. Um, I'm just going to tell people, before you protest, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell a uh, little about Brian Fregel. He, he spent his career in forestry after receiving a forestry diploma from the College of New Caledonia. He's been a councillor for the past 18 years with the District of Vanderhoof. And for the past year, until last week, he served in the weighty role of President of the Union of BC Municipalities. And Brian also serves on the Provincial Government's Mass Timber Advisory Council. He's doing some work on range management and the future of, of uh, land use in a bigger way. He's providing advice and guidance on establishing BC as a leader in the production and use of mass timber through that advisory council. So this is really important work, and we're glad that you're out there doing it, Brian. Oh, thank you, Stuart. Um, Let's just start at the beginning. You know, there's lots of topical issues, but I just want to find out
1: what got you into a forestry career? Well, you know, you go back, this goes back. So back to 1979, 1980. Uh, at least the education system had forestry, uh, high schools had forestry as classes, uh, which was fantastic. It gave me my first taste, uh, of what forestry looked like. And I didn't know, you know, coming from Prince George, uh, Spruce Capital City, uh, all of those things. I just thought that that would be something great to get into. I also wanted to be a phys ed teacher, but I look back at how fate and decisions come into play. And I'm so happy that I got into a system that educated uh, me in a, in a two-year time frame. anyway, I'm still learning as, as the days go by here, but, but Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it was, it was good to get into and and CNC had a great uh, forestry program um, and learned a lot about what was around my community at the time and then moved out to Vanderhoof in 1983 and have been there ever since.
0: Now, Vanderhoof, that's a true forestry town. It's got the Canfor Plateau Mill. There's other forest products manufacturing. You've even got, and this has been on your watch on City Council, your own 23,000 hectare community forest, where you're doing some really interesting stuff I've been hearing about. And, you know, we've we've seen forestry have a great run lately because of the soaring lumber prices, although that's, of course, crashed back to earth now. And there's other uncertainty here. Uh, Overall, Brian, how do residents of Vanderhoof and those other BC residents you deal with feel about the continuing presence of forestry in their community?
1: I, I think residents, not only in Bannerhoof but the rest of, you know, British Columbia, uh, rural BC in particular, feel that forestry will probably be there in some sense. Uh, it's not going to look the same as it did five years ago or 10 years ago. It will look different. Um, and so I think that that's a positive outlook on where forestry is going to be within the province. It will still be part of what we do and it'll still be part of what drives the economy of British Columbia, how it looks. That's what we're going to have to work on and how it looks. And so there are so many things in the province that are going on right now from, from, for from uh, positive reconciliation to modernizing forest policy to, uh, to others that, that I, I we've got to get ourselves through this the communities have got to get themselves through what's in front of them and uh, and, and work on that I, I i you know when we talk about soaring lumber prices I, you know i we work hard on trying to advocate to the government that communities such as Vanderhoof uh, prices go so high and stumpage follows 6 months behind and then stumpage is high and prices are low and, and here we are, uh, you know, one of our main, uh, companies in our community has gone to a 4D work week because they can't afford to, you know, that, mm-hmm. that situation. So those are things that communities can advocate for. Those are things that them has done. Mm-hmm. And, and we have to fix some of those, uh, uh, operational issues as we go through the planning of forestry, the new forestry way of doing things. be.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Brian, last week at the UBCM conference, the Union of BC Municipalities, that's all the mayors and councils from all around the province, they get together. This year, of course, virtually, we saw a special resolution on forest management come forward. I'm, I'm just sure. going to read it out, and, and then I'd like to talk about it and get your thoughts on it. Um, and by the way, this this resolution I'm about to read, it was passed, wasn't it, by 61%, 61% yeah. of delegates? Okay, that's a pretty good majority. It is. We um, it, here's yeah. what it says. Yeah, it says, be it resolved that the province of British Columbia engage and consult with local governments and indigenous communities as it moves forward to implement recommendations within the Modernizing Forest Policy in BC intentions paper. That's a provincial government initiative, including matters related to old growth designations and deferrals, recognizing that there will be implications and impacts for workers and communities that will require economic transition support. Now, just before we get into this, Brian, I just want to say that this wasn't just one of the hundreds of resolutions that delegates looked at. It was one of the top three special resolutions. It was the second one debated, very high profile. Let's talk about it. Uh, What's the intent
1: behind this resolution? The intent behind, and let's just even take a step back yet. There were seven resolutions. There were seven resolutions that came before, um, before UBCM and the board um, that got rolled up into this one big SR2. So it's a special resolution. So when we see a lot of resolutions coming from across the province on a particular issue, we will ramp that up into a special resolution. So we're not debating seven other resolutions, very similar in nature. So that's how SR2 came about and, and basically you know, got debated on the floor and there's a lot of stuff about the modernization, uh, uh, workshop and the policy that's, you know, was, is out and there's 20 recommendations. And one of those is the deferral of, uh, of old growth, but there was a good debate on the floor. And, and so that whole, um, that whole debate, uh, got to the floor and 61.6% of the delegates voted in favor of moving this forward. So what that means to UBCM now is it becomes policy for us to work on those 20 recommendations in the modernizing uh, um, document, a forestry document, to work on those with the, the Ministry of Forest, Lands and, and uh, Natural Resource Operations. So that's what, that's what the process mm-hmm. will start to look like. I noticed the resolution
0: mentions the need to quote improve public information around old growth unquote. What what do you think is missing that the public gets that
1: needs fixing? I think from from a UBCM standpoint um, w- we felt that there was a lot of uh, uh, media a lot of focus on uh, you know the blockades um and it focused on this, this watershed and, and those type of things, I think the government has a good definition of what old growth is within the province. So UBCM wants to make sure that we're dealing with old growth around the province, not centric to sure. one area. And, and recently, uh, it has been centric to an area.
0: You're talking about Ferry Creek, I think, yeah, right? That's been in Anthem. the news. It's
1: been centric to that. And, mm-hmm. and look, uh, it. I think this process that's in front of us, this modernizing forest policy intentions paper, will give us the ability to look at landscape level planning. And yes, it's a it's a term from the forest practices code when that started. But but as a past forest planner, and that was my job in in Vanderhoof with one of the local sawmills. We've always wanted to look at things on a, on a landscape level. And so whether you use watersheds or, or whatever it is, I think watersheds is probably the right one. We need to be able to go and take a look at what's on the watershed and what's left and, and protect that. And so I think you can't look at, uh, old growth outside of the bigger picture Mm -hmm. and old growth means different things across province down in In the coast, it's different, you know, there, you know, the issue down there will be different than the issue of what old growth is, is in, in the interior. So let's take a look at it and engage what, you know, our focus at UBCM is to engage local governments so that they know what the criteria is in this case for old growth. So we want to know what the, what the definition is for old growth. What are people thinking? What are, okay. you know, where are these deferral areas? And we need to know that. And and at the end of the day, whether it's a one or a 2% reduction to the AEC, I think a local governments need to understand the impacts of, of those decisions. And I think okay. that that's what's happening. And we just got to give it some time to get there. And 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 I hear some of the comments about, you know, we're losing trees as we speak, but Yet we do that every day. We lose trees and we replant trees. And so that's the cycle of Mm -hmm. forestry. And
0: and trees get older
1: too, don't they? And trees get older. they become older. Stuart, I I totally understand that trees get older. And I I went to a blockade years ago in, in Sechelt because they had used UBCM's policy session. And the wording around that policy session is, see, local governments are against old growth logging. And, and I wanted to go and take a look at that and see why they were using it. At that time, I was told that a tree planted was emerging old growth. And mm-hmm. I, I had to take a step back because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> well, sure. That's, I guess we'll that's a long today. time to emerge, so,
0: 250 years on the coast or so, 140 years inland.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of opinion on, on what mm-hmm. old growth and sure. watershed is. I'm a fan of, of of really being able to get the engagement of local government, and uh, you know that's what UBCM has really been pushing uh, mm-hmm. for the, probably the last six seven years. Uh, just because that's how much time I've been on mm-hmm. uh, yeah. UBCM, so yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the idea behind old growth and 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 the yeah. designations. I think we can yeah, diff. go ahead, Brian. In the time we've got left here,
0: I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of the polarization. You've referred to uh, some motions on old growth on Vancouver Island, especially where a few of these came from. Uh, we, we've seen uh, councils say you should stop all old growth. And doing that would be, as I understand it from industry sources, be the end of the forest industry, at least significant parts of it, mm-hmm. um, as it is now structured and it seems to be an, an emotion-laden argument at times with some very strong feelings. We've seen the, the theatrics in Ferry Creek become a national or international media phenomenon as a way to create pressure on the provincial government. Um, where where do you think that conflict is headed? Is is municipal government going to be steered by those, those people in the woods, those handful of people? Or is the process that you're talking about going to maybe reassert
1: what the broad public is looking for in this? A, a quick answer would be, I believe in the process. I believe mm-hmm. that what is in front of us with this modernization of uh, force policy mm. and, get that, and the ability to have mm. input now is a positive, positive thing. Polarization, it will never change. It'll just... We as, as, uh, as members in, in British Columbia will have great views on a whole matter of things. The polarization of vaccines and, and non-vaccinated is there as well. So this will happen, but give local government, regional districts, and, and, and indigenous communities the ability to sort this out. And that's what I believe that the government is trying to do right now. Forestry is going to be important. And we can't be afraid of saying, that that we're going to harvest trees in British Columbia. We are going to harvest trees in British Columbia. That's what our part of our economy is about, and we want to make sure that we move that forward. But let's all talk about what's important to us. and 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 maybe it's 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 why, you know, I think it's now changed. maybe twenty years ago or more, we focused on jobs, 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 and it's important to all of us. But now maybe we're going to focus on water, fish, wildlife, and a bunch of other things. And this helps us.
0: Brian Frenkel, it's been fascinating talking with you today. Brian is counselor with the District of Vanderhoof. Over the last year, he served as the, the top official, the president of the Union of BC Municipalities. A really important job, especially through the pandemic. Brian, thanks for your dedication. And thanks for your service through that. I appreciate it, Stuart. Thank you. Thank you. Our next guest is also from the world of municipal government. It's Mayor Gabby Wickstrom. She's mayor of the northern Vancouver Island town of Port McNeil. She's been an outspoken leader in forestry over her whole career. It's been a privilege to hear from her. And here's our interview. Gabby, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Stuart. Thank you so much for having me today. I really uh, appreciate the invitation.
0: You know, over the last few years, we've had so many interesting conversations about the natural resource issues that are part and parcel of what you deal with as mayor of really a resource town. We we've talked about salmon farming, we've talked about forestry, we've talked about all kinds of wrinkles in in labor and First Nations seeking to ad- advance economic reconciliation and find a path to to po- prosperity, away from poverty. We hear that so often. We're talking about issues that affect every British Columbian. I would even say every Canadian. But we find that the, the coverage in news media, frankly, of forestry is is limited. It's often one-dimensional, often one-sided. There is a reluctance among media to want to talk to anyone except the people who are part of that barrage that's using you know a megaphone to get their message out. The message being, industry is terrible. Forestry jobs don't matter. There's no way to balance the economy and the environment. We have to stop these towns. We have to end this industry. That's that's what we hear. And so, what I know is that it's very different in reality. But no one's here to listen to me. We want to hear from you, Mayor Wickstrom. You hear these things every day. Come on, can you tell me what your reaction is? Just the daily diet. What? How do you feel about forestry and its?
2: Well, I feel. On one hand, I feel very positive. I, I know that the, the good things that we are doing, we have some of the highest environmental standards, contrary to some narratives that you hear out there. Highest environmental standards, we are positioned to be um, world leaders, and yet that's not the message that's that's out there in the public. And so that can be very frustrating. I know that for us, it's been, well, it's been a, it's been a rough go. As you know, we had a, a lengthy labor dispute, and that really gave us a glimpse of what things would be like for us should we find ourselves with quite a, a large reduction in um, the amount of tenure that was available to us. So the pressures of the old growth, all the policies around that, those things are, are a little disconcerting. And yet, on the other hand, you know, our, our businesses are doing well, you know, people are employed, they're, they're getting paid well, they have great benefits. And so that, that part is quite positive. One thing I wanted
0: to find out from you, because this is often a missing part of the story, is about the jobs. Now, in Port McNeil, you're in what is sometimes called the timberlands. It's where the logs are, are sourced. You have lumberjacks and people doing mm-hmm. those those historic jobs in the forest. And there's also a lot of other parts. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions about the jobs to get into some, some of the details so that we can give listeners a picture of what actually is happening when someone's collecting a paycheck. What, what kind of work are they doing? What kind of training do they need? Where do they live? Are they all in Fort McNeil? Are they in communities? I know there's WASP. There's, there's a, a number of other smaller communities around just to
2: get a sense of the flavor of the employment scene out there. Goodness, forestry-related jobs, we have everything from mapping, LIDAR, forest technicians, timber cruisers, registered professional foresters, mechanics, hook tenders. It just goes on and on. There's quite mm-hmm. an array. You know, some will require more education than others, but there's quite an array of professions that are available to people who are seeking employment in the forest industry. First aid, I mean, it just goes on and on.
0: hmm it sounds like there is wide acknowledgement that there are issues around old growth that are real issues, but at the same time, you have these campaigns that are asking for something that is way beyond uh, what's in scope. I, I guess that's a bargaining tactic. I mean, do you see familiar strains here of of how to go about getting what you want using you know Donald Trump tactics? I mean, make your demands and ask for more than you expect to get, and then walk away with something pretty good. Is that is that what we're seeing here with these groups in Fair Creek that? Just figure that's, that's the way to go about this?
2: Well, social, social media is a unique beast, right? Yeah. You, you get mobbing, you get people taking information at face value without challenging. And so I think that's the hurdle that we have to overcome right now. How do we get good information out there where you're not accused? Oh, you're part of the industry. Oh, you're part of whatever, right? You're up. Mm-hmm. If if it's a contrary view, then it's just dismissed. When I moved to the island 26 years ago, I was a forestry tour bus driver. Actually, that was a fact here, and it was fantastic because, well, we were going through similar times then. You know, a lot of pressure yeah. from environmentalists and. And I don't think this would be a bad idea to do this now, actually. And so the companies got together and they did these forestry tours and they took tourists around and showed them all aspects of forestry, you know, planting, civic culture, uh, harvesting, everything. And people loved it. And I think, you know, you're likely not going to change the mind of somebody who's entrenched in, in the environmentalist side. Probably won't change my mind either, to tell you the honest, honest truth. I, I'll shift oh. a little bit, but I'm still going to feel the way I feel. But what, what I found those tours did is they captured people who either were actively looking for information or didn't know they needed the information. And they walked away going, wow, had no idea. And that was 20 some years ago. So it's changed even more for the better.
0: If the, if the demands of these <laughs> protesters, which, as you say, is to outright ban on old growth logging in B.C., if that happens, what is the fate of Port McNeil and its community?
2: Well, you know, I feel right now we're just we're on the cusp of some really great things. You know, we've had Roger Brooks come. We've had businesses, new business, come to the community. We've we've got um, other businesses, longtime businesses, shop right. They're they've taken their old store. They're doing a and they've formed a not for profit. They're going to be letting people know about sustainable. Forestry practices, marine biology, all those kinds of things. You know, there's a vibrancy. There's some, some, just some things that are happening in our community. And yet to think that that could all be halted. I mean, look at COVID. So let's take tourism. What if we just diversify and go to tourism? Pff, we don't know if we're going to be here again. And and mm-hmm. then what? Like this isn't stable either. So we need tourism. We need forestry. We need new businesses. We without these things, without. You know, the aquaculture, Fort Hardy, Campbell River's feeling it now. Chiropractors, you, you know, amenities, vats leave. Mm. If, if they don't have that core people to access what they're, they're offering, then you're going to see people leave one by one by one. I'm not afraid of the hard conversations. Let's have a hard conversation. I just don't want to be railed at. And I'm not railing at anybody else either. I gen, genuinely want to know, what's your concern? Here's our concern. I mean, climate change is the same thing. I had a conversation at AVICC with a group and I said, your climate goals will look different than our climate goals because we're a small municipality, but we can have the same vision and values. Our path there just might look a little bit different. It's exactly the same. Look me in the eye. Look the young family in the eye that you're taking their livelihood away from. And again... Diversification is fine. What are are my residents going to diversify to? What is going to give them the good paying jobs, the benefits that they have right now? What is going to give you the the amount of revenue in Victoria that's going to pay for schools and hospitals and all the social programs that you want to enjoy? I mean, that's that's the thing. And we know with the strike, the government felt it. That revenue wasn't coming in for almost an entire year. In 2018, I believe it was 2018, $60 million worth of stumpage left just from our region. I haven't got an update yet just for 2021, the one I remember from prior to the strike.
0: That's a lot of MRIs.
2: Yeah, and that's just us. So go through the whole province. That's all funneling to to Victoria, and that's all paying for the things that we, we, you know, we... uh, We need, we want, we enjoy, Mm -hmm. right?
0: This has been another episode of Forest Works. I'm your host, Stuart Muir. Thanks for tuning in on Radio NL. Join me again next time and check out the podcast and all our recordings at forestworks.ca.